And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, an attorney and a partner in the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are all attorneys who follow Jesus and focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, nonprofit administration, and defending religious freedom. You can find out more about us by going to maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call at 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter to keep up to date on our show. Now let me ask you a question. Is sex trafficking or sexual assault happening in your neighborhood or your community? Do you even know? What are the red flags? How can you find out? Well, today we'll be talking with Dr. Wendy Patrick, a career trial attorney who's completed over 160 trials, ranging from hate crimes to sexual assault cases and first-degree murders. In her current assignment as Deputy District Attorney in the San Diego Special Operations Division, she handles uh, cases involving threat assessment. Uh, Wendy previously worked in the Sex and Crimes Human, Human Trafficking Division, defending the interests of survivors by prosecuting violent sexual offenders and human traffickers. Wendy, welcome to our show, and God bless you. Uh, God bless you, John. Thanks for having me. What is a threat assessment? Well, as you can imagine, uh, part of the part of what we do at the DA's office is not simply prosecute crime. We'd like to prevent crime. Wouldn't that be great, John, if we could collect the kinds of red flags that signal criminal activity, victims that may be in danger, all of the types of things we wish we knew after an attack is committed. Threat assessment is the process of seeing if we can focus more on prevention rather than prediction, because let's face it, nobody can predict with any accuracy, but we sure can do everything we can to prevent and keep our community safe. Uh, Okay. I think a lot of our listeners are wondering, is my community safe? I haven't heard about uh, sex trafficking in my community. How can we identify threats? Uh, How can a listener do that? And what red flags uh, does the average person look for, or is this really just a matter for the police and professional prosecutors? A lot of great questions there, John. Let me try to take them one at a time. And to begin with, yes, sex trafficking occurs in every kind of community. It flies under the radar, and that's one of the reasons it's not easily identifiable. And in fact, many people inaccurately claim, not in my backyard, simply because they're looking for the wrong kinds of red flags. Long gone are the days, John, maybe when you and I were growing up and we faced that stereotype of a sex worker out on the street coming up to passing cars. It is all online on the Internet today, and that is one of the reasons that you won't see any obvious trafficking signs and symptoms. However, if you know what to look for, 
perhaps you will. And I know many of your listeners are, are very savvy as to some of the unusual relational dynamics they view sometimes, whether it's a girl out with a much older man, whether it's a, a man and a woman who seem to be very uneasy around each other, whether it's furtive movements or unease. There's lots of times that you see something that just doesn't seem quite right. Maybe it's a potential labor trafficking situation where you have maybe even a restaurant worker that never seems to leave the building. They don't have a name tag. They have no identification. They don't speak any English. These kinds of things fly under the radar because we're usually not paying attention. We're not looking for the right types of signs. And that's one of the reasons that it is in many communities. But to answer your last question, which I think is an excellent one, we shouldn't just rely on the police. If we see something, there are lots of online phone numbers and places to which you can report these things. There's really, I mean, instead of giving a centralized number, I would encourage any listener that thinks they've seen something suspicious, go and look to see what's available in the area where you are to see where to report this type of thing. All right. So you would start perhaps by uh, going on the internet to your local police department or is this a Well, that wouldn't necessarily be that. That wouldn't necessarily be true, John. It would depend on what you saw. I know lots of people are loath to run directly to the police if they have absolutely no idea what they're looking at or what the relationship is between the parties. Many people don't want to accidentally make a false report. That's why there are what we call trafficking hotlines. It's a place that you can report suspicious activity that maybe doesn't rise to the level of a crime. Maybe you're not sure. Lots of times those are better. People view those as better options. Um, but, you know, I, I always say the Internet is a great source of research. It's a resource to determine what to do if you are unsure what you're looking at. Because let's face it, it is better safe than sorry in the day and age in which we live, especially when it comes to men and women who are really being held in bondage. That is what human trafficking is. It may not be physical change, but these are emotional change of, of fear, of love, of loyalty, all the kinds of difficult emotions that make it hard for us as law enforcement sometimes to break them and to rescue some of these survivors. All right. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk of the law firm Malk & Baker, and today we're speaking with Dr. Wendy Patrick, a career trial attorney, about her experiences in cases involving sex crimes. And Wendy, you were explaining to us that uh, the listener who's concerned, wondering, is this happening in my community or uh, maybe sees something suspicious and, and doesn't want to make a, a false police report, can go online and go to uh, reporting hotlines. So what would you what would you Google? And maybe you could Give us a couple stories about people who've reported things and, and actually seen some results. Well, you know, um, there's lots of things that are uh, that you're able to do, not just going online and finding hotlines, but there's many people that actually take active steps within their communities when they view suspicious behavior. In terms of success stories, much of those involve cases that actually do go to court and result in convictions. But one of the things that characterizes uh, all kinds of sex offenses is they are severely underreported. They may, in fact, be the most underreported crime in the world. Most sex offenses do not occur like we see on television with a girl being snatched off a corner and with by somebody jumping out of a van with no windows or a stranger leaping out of the bushes in an alley. Many sex offenses are committed by perpetrators who are known 
to the victim, whether it's a child custody situation, somebody who's babysitting the child, uh, whether it's an acquaintance rape, which is rampant on college campuses. These kinds of things are underreported precisely because the victim and the perpetrator know each other. Yet, in terms of red flags, you know, there are lots of signs and symptoms that many victims show. There's always somebody they've told something to in a majority of cases. And that is one of the reasons that, you know, the Me Too movement that we've been living with for over a year now, officially well over a year, remember it started October of last year, has almost encouraged and empowered victims to be able to come forward and to explain what happened to them. It's a great thing. Now, many states, and I know, John, you're in Chicago, there, you may have listeners that are from other states, different statutes of limitations regarding whether crimes can actually be prosecuted if too many years have passed. But the fact that knowledge is power and that more people are learning about, first of all, how common sex offenses are, including, by the way, human trafficking, but then secondly, familiarizing themselves with a wide range of options, whether it's discussing things as a, as a member of the, the, their neighborhood watch system, whether it is looking for um, some sort of a number to report it to, or whether it's calling the police if you suspect a crime has been committed, a forward report crime. All of the options that we can avail ourselves from, including, by the way, simply going to, to meetings and seminars and learning more about how to keep your community safe. All of these ways, John, we can look out for each other and really be the eyes and ears of law enforcement on the ground. Well, well, a- amen. I mean, I think there's a real desire of people uh, to help other people and to find out if these crimes are happening or, or how we can uh, identify them. Uh, can you talk about maybe a, a couple of average people who saw something and then uh, called it in to you or called it into a hotline and it resulted in uh, somebody getting free of the bondage? Yeah, well, I can't talk about my own cases because of confidentiality, but I can say that in general, there's been lots of issues that are publicized widely in the media where you have, I mean, people like flight attendants, uh, nurses, I mean, lots of these folks are mandatory reporters anyway, but sometimes you get other passengers on flights, for example, that have noticed, and one, I mean, this this actually the scenario, I hate to say it, has it's come up several times, where there's an older man traveling with a younger girl that doesn't seem to be talking, they don't seem to really have any sort of familial relationship, or you see that kind of a circumstance out on the street. Maybe it's in a restaurant, and there's a server that is never seems to ever leave the building, or 911 call comes out of a house for some other reason, and it looks like there's someone living in the garage. These are all indications where citizens have noticed circumstances, and the last one, of course, that would be law enforcement noticing it, but citizens that are receptive and are savvy with the kinds of red flags to look for have noticed interpersonal dynamics that just seem wrong. There just doesn't seem to be the level of familiarity you would expect if it was, let's say, a father and daughter on the, on, in my plane example, or an employer-employee example with the, with the work restaurant and the worker. So there are lots of times where perceptive individuals have noticed these kinds of things. Sometimes they've gone to law enforcement. Sometimes they've called hotlines. But in many of these cases, it's triggered an investigation that has actually resulted in the, the scheme being found out Amen. Well, coming up, we're going to talk further with Wendy Patrick, a Deputy Attorney 
uh, in San Diego about how we can recognize and respond to sexual assault. I'm John Mauck, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauck, partner of the law firm of Mauck & Baker. And today we're talking with Wendy Patrick, a deputy district attorney in San Diego Special Operations Division, about sex trafficking, uh, sexual assault, and many of the other sexual crimes that we see being committed and how we can do something about that, spot the red flags, uh, call in to... Uh, hotlines uh, and raise our awareness so that we can help those in our community who may be victims in these uh, in these areas. Now in the second segment we're going to talk more t- directly to you who are followers of Jesus and we're going to ask uh, a Wendy who is an experienced lawyer but also a theologian and ordained minister how does following Jesus uh, help someone fight these battles, identify these problems. Uh, I'll start with yourself, Wendy. How has your faith informed your legal work here? Oh, John, and let me count the ways I, in, in every, absolutely every aspect of every day. I mean, from the way I perceive cases and fact patterns to the way I interact with victims, or, or I should say attempt to interact with victims in a fashion that really values their worth regardless of their current circumstances. This is something that comes up very frequently with sex trafficking victims who perhaps have never had anybody see them uh, as an image bearer or see them as a valuable human being worth the life of Jesus to save. I mean, they may never have been exposed to that kind of a viewpoint before. So myself, victim advocates, any kind of support group that they have as when they're rescued, all of that makes such a big difference. And I would even say with any type of crime victim who maybe became a victim because of less than ideal circumstances in which they lived. So just that, that very first, the ability to view everybody the way the Lord does makes such a big difference in really the approach we take to the case. Well, that's telling me that all of us, and particularly when we have the Holy Spirit to help us, need to stop and, and think and reimagine those around us. You use the word image bearers as as people that Jesus died for, not just as numbers or, or victims or um, uh, people that are, are fighting a battle. It has to get down to the heart. Is Was there any time in your life, Wendy, when that uh, really moved from your, your mental uh, ascent to uh, getting into your heart and God touched your heart and, and gave you a brokenness to to want to help these people? Yeah, you know, I've, I've always, it's, it's challenging to, to view um, victims and defendants too that way. You know, I started my career as a, as a criminal defense attorney. Most people that know me could never believe that, <laughs> but it's true. And even in that capacity, you know, myself and my 
fellow Christian defense attorneys would discuss our work as a ministry in, you know, obviously God removes the sin, but the criminal justice system um, punishes the consequences of the sin. You know, as a prosecutor, sometimes I listen to a a criminal defendant explain, yeah, but now they found Jesus. And I say, congratulations, you're going to heaven, but first you're going to prison. (laughs) 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 So it's just a matter of of really the kind of perspective, a, a godly perspective instead of a worldly perspective, is able to view things that way. You know, many even of the worst criminal defendants who are saved go on to start prison ministries and save other inmates. It's it's just a, a thinking that transcends our place in the world, regardless of what side of the criminal justice system we're in. And I've really, over the course of my, please listeners, don't do the math, 23 years <laughs> in the criminal justice system, both as a defense attorney and a prosecutor, have really had the opportunity to put into practice. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk of Malk and Baker, and we're speaking with Wendy Patrick, the deputy district attorney who has experience in prosecuting sex crimes and a lot of other uh, uh, criminal experience, and you've worked with victims. Do you ever see evidence of demon possession or demon influence or, or satanic work in this uh, sex trafficking, and, and how do you discern that and how do you deal with it? If, you, if you've well, ever had that experience. Well, sadly, the problem of evil is always with us, and whether it comes from demon possession or whether it comes from the kinds of really lust of the eyes and pride of the heart and all of the different things that, that plague us as a society because of the fall, evil permeates these crimes that we see. And part of why, part of why we care so deeply about freeing these victims is that some of these crimes, in fact, especially with trafficking cases, they're motivated by greed and by money. Sadly, it is so lucrative that what we really try to do is uh, ascertaining motive, of course, is uh, more important when you have cases that don't involve just pure trafficking. But we really try to make sure that we bring the, the love and the light of Christ into the lives of these victims who, as you say, have been surrounded by nothing but evil in terms of their captors. And I say that even when some of these victims are hiding in plain sight, because we as communities are unaware of all of the hallmarks of trafficking activity, we may fail to recognize relationships that are walking right under our nose that, in fact, are, whether it's a sexual abuse scenario in the case of children, sexual assault or trafficking situation in the case of both children and adults. But you're right in that the evil that really permeates these cases sometimes is detectable, but sometimes masquerades, even as relationships of good, which is why we don't just want to take what we see at face value. If we suspect something, we want to begin an investigation and have a whole lot more information to work with. Well, well, Wendy, as I look at your resume here and I see you're in San Diego, I say to myself, that's that's really the front lines. There are... Uh, People coming in from Mexico, there's there's this immigration flood that we read all about, and there's uh, drug trafficking, and there's MS-13, and there's uh, there's sex trafficking. Uh, they seem to overlap. How do you manage to keep from being overwhelmed, or is it overwhelming? 
No, I mean, you know, we, we have a lot of prosecutors here. We've got great law enforcement, and like other parts of the country, I mean, Chicago, there's crime in Chicago, there's crime everywhere. And it's just a matter of allocating resources uh, to where we need them and having really good prosecution teams. And those include great victim advocates who have uh, enhanced expertise in working with victims, particularly victims of heinous crimes like human trafficking. Often other human trafficking survivors can be part of these teams to actually provide a victim with a perspective of somebody who, who has been there herself. So uh, I'm very proud of the work we do, and I know that many law enforcement agencies around the country have the same great teams of people working to try to not only uh, prosecute crimes, but uh, kind of the way I started, prevent these crimes to begin with. Are you seeing that these crimes are interrelated to uh, to gangs? Or is a sex trafficking basically a one-on-one or one-on-three small groups, or is MS-13 or uh, uh, other uh, drug importers uh, doing sex trafficking as as a, as a sideline, I'm trying. I'm trying to get a handle on uh, whether this is whether this is coordinated or it's just all over the board. Gangs are increasingly involved in sex trafficking, more so every year. And we know that because there's been studies that have shown that. And it's important to know, John, because knowledge is power. And if people understand what sex trafficking actually looks like and the fact that it does involve more gang involvement now than ever, um, and they also want to understand that it occurs uh, involves a lot of online activity, which is why you see websites being targeted and sometimes closing down sections. But then we have to figure out, okay, well, which website are they moving to now? So there's an awful lot of moving parts, but yes, it does involve more orchestrated uh, efforts of sophistication. And knowing that, and that law enforcement does know that, also helps them in deciding how are we going to target investigation to try to free and locate as many victims as we can. Now, a lot of our listeners are, are thinking, wow, and probably like, like me, uh, everything's coming at us. And we know our, one of our spiritual weapons is prayer. Can you give us some examples of how we should be praying for folks like you and and our police forces, but for ourselves and uh, fighting this spiritual battle? Because Paul tells us that our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not against MS-13. It's not against sex traffickers. Uh, They're all victims, too, in a way, of of Satan's deception and, and, uh, and their sin natures. How do we fight for them in prayer? Yeah, and you know, John, Ephesians 6 is a great place to start because we want to put on our our armor, the armor of God every day in order to be able to protect ourselves. Everything that we can do also, like you say, stems from being in the Word, from being grounded, from praying for perception, for being able to detect and discern if something is going on, for having the knowledge and the wisdom to know where to report it, what to report. You know, the fact that people are listening to the show and, and gaining this knowledge, uh, wanting to know where to go. Amen. And one place you can go is <laughs> wendypatrickphd.com. That's your website. That's right. Wendy, thank you for speaking to us today. <laughs> thank you for having me, John. God bless you. If you have a legal need or questions and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mauk and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or our website. That's maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. 
We're a Christian law firm based in Chicago serving churches, ministries, businesses, individuals in their legal needs. Call us, mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.